Welcome to the Neo Jotuan Podcast. My name is Isaac Kamins. This is a bi-weekly podcast where my friend Jess O'Brien and I discuss internal martial arts, qigong, and meditation. Uh, this week we're going to talk about the natural boxing master Wang Lai Sheng and his uh, connection to Liu Hongjie. We talk about Wang's life and his uh, martial arts and a little bit about his meditation and his philosophy. Um, <clears throat> Then we t- move to the final chapters of the Energy Gates book and we talk about advice on finding a teacher and choosing a style of Qigong and things to look out for, things to uh, keep in mind when you practice, that sort of stuff. We have one more episode before we take a break uh, before season two. Uh, during the break, we're going to be releasing some of our interviews that we did over the last year. We're going to start a Xingyi uh, audio training program on the five elements in Santi uh, with, along with the beginning of season two. So check out the Patreon for that uh, as well as check out our Instagram. We're going to be posting some of the articles that we used over the season. Yeah, and then season two, we're going to be looking at some of Leo's teachers and their teachers and sort of tracing back the lineage and talking a bit about, you know, how the whole thing kind of got shaped uh, throughout history. Uh, we're also going to take a look at some of the other Nagong uh, components, not as in-depth as we did with Energy Gates, but just to kind of give people a view of the whole thing. So keep an eye out for that and enjoy the episode and thanks for listening. Welcome back to the Neja Chun Podcast with Isaac and Jess. Today we'll be continuing our reading of Opening the Energy Gates of Your Body, Gain Lifelong Vitality by B.K. Francis. Master Leo Hung Jae plays a big part in this book. Uh, you know, and uh, the author meets him in, when he's an elderly man in Beijing in the 1980s. But his lifetime had taken place all through the 20th century in China and had lived through many of the great events uh, that mark the history of martial arts. Um, one of the good friends of Master Liu Hung Jie was the famous martial arts teacher Wan Lai Sheng. He lives from 1902 to 1992. At the tournament in 1928 with Liu Hung Jie was his friend Wang Lai Sheng. Um, and so that's pulling from the power of internal martial arts. But that's the only person who's described in that book as a you know a friend and a colleague of Liu Hung Jie. So you know just taking from that one little line. And so we're going to look a little bit at the history of Wan Lai Sheng here. So about Wan Lai Sheng, from an article here, um, born in 1902 in Hubei, China, Grandmaster Wan started practicing martial arts at a very young age. He graduated from the National Beijing Agricultural University and studied under famous martial artists such as Du Xin Wu, the famous master of Xiron men, the natural boxing. Devoted to the study of martial arts, Taoism, Qigong, and Chinese medicine, Grandmaster Wan integrated the ideology of Zhuangzi into martial arts and founded the philosophy and principles for Xiron Men. So Xiron Men is the martial art known as natural boxing that uh, Wan Laisheng was a teacher of. Leveraging on the strengths of the different styles he had studied, Grandmaster Wan developed and enhanced the skills and techniques of Xiron Men, greatly promoting the art and bringing it to an unprecedented new level. And it goes on to describe how he participated in the National Martial Arts Competition in 1928, where, again, Liu Hongjie was also a participant in that, and they knew each other there. 
um, later on, Grandmaster Wan went on to be a high-level director of the Guoshuguan Military Martial Arts Academy that was promoted in China at that time. And I would speculate that when Liu Hengjie became a teacher in that same organization, that it possibly could have been through his connections with uh, Master Wan Lai Sheng, or as they had both been in the 1928 tournament. Well, they also studied, they had the same uh, six combinations boxing teacher. So probably they, since they were the same age, they probably trained there around the same time. So th likely that's where they met. And then, you know, it sounds like they stayed friends throughout. So when they were doing their training in their youth, that's around 1910, 1912 area, probably. Yeah. And I'm sure the people that uh, Juan trained Bagua and Xing Yi with on the side were probably some of the same people that Leo was training with. I mean, it was, you know, it's a small group of people. So clearly they were running in the same circles of martial yeah, artists yeah but he you know he's one of these guys that's just a superstar of the martial yeah, art world you know, the legend he, exactly he liked, so i wanted to read a little bit about master Wan from uh the book esoteric warriors by alex cosma um Wan is famous throughout china for his abilities as a fighter in his early 20s he wrote a martial arts book which revealed many of the secrets of internal boxing and Taoist qigong and for years afterward, masters would turn up at his doorsteps and challenge him to fight, wondering how such a young man could dare to reveal such things. Juan never refused a challenge, and by all accounts, never lost a match. And eventually, people stopped coming to fight him, and he became a renowned teacher. In fact, he was champion of the first all-China martial arts tournament in the early 1920s. <laughs> um, he had many teachers. He studied the Six Harmony Shaolin system with Zhao Ong Chao, but his main teacher was the almost legendary Du Xing Wu, who passed on to Wan the Xeron Men or natural boxing system. Wan also studied the three other internal martial arts. <clears throat> As an example of his depth of research into these methods, he knew 80 different ways of doing the single palm change of Bagua, which is that's the first time I've heard of anybody having 80 different versions. One of the things here that's interesting is this Xeron Men martial art that uh, Master Wang was was famous for. It's known as natural boxing. The natural style of fighting is a northern internal style of kung fu that is taught in conjunction with qigong breathing techniques. The style traces its lineage to dwarf Shu, who is based on ancient Taoist philosophy. Du Xin Wu, the next bearer of the lineage, served as a bodyguard to Sun Yat-sen, then the provisional president of the Republic of China. Du Xin Wu then imparted his knowledge of natural boxing to his eldest son and to Wan Lai Sheng. So it traces just to a dwarf. Yeah, I mean, that, that's God. like Xingyi also traces to Doesn't Xingyi also? According to uh, Robert W. Smith's book, Du Xingwu actually defeated Chen Manqing. I don't know in what oh, context. Fight? Oh, interesting. Yeah, but in, in the, one of the mentions there is that they I want to look that up. That sounds interesting. Yeah. It's nature boxing is based on ancient Taoist philosophy, traditional Chinese medicine, and most importantly, the philosophy of one and zero. I don't know what that is. But uh, <clears throat> the main principle is to overwhelm the opponent by striking continuously using every part of the body. Zeron Men makes use of four fundamental, te fundamental techniques. Tun, contraction. Tu, expansion. Fu, floating. And Chen, Chun, sinking. Um, these techniques are generally expressed through the movement of the spine. Um, so I've never seen Zeron Men in action. I've only read about it. I've seen some videos of it, but it seems like a pretty cool. So uh, Tun Tu is, is a way of saying open close, right? 
and then there's the up and down. So he's he's basically describing the same floating and sinking. Yeah, yeah. The, those are the same. Those are the up, down, forward, back of of Tai Chi. You know, sure. I, I think it's the same essentially same energies. They just have a slightly different way of uh, describing. I mean, when you look at him move, it's it's for from a Tai Chi or Bagua context, it looks like he's he's got a little bit of everything. You know, he's got a little bit of the uh, spirally, squirrely stuff from Bagua. He's got the slow, heavy, you know, legs of Tai Chi. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a little bit of the shingy half stepping in there. So here's one last little quote here. Unlike many internal martial arts, Xeron Men's early training focuses on hard physical exertion, with the internal aspects only becoming apparent in the practice later in training. The style consists of over 80 extended forms and hundreds of short combination drills. Training to exhaustion in these methods forces the student to cease using muscular force and move in a relaxed manner. So you exhaust yourself to the point of getting that whipping, uh, you know, less tight but looser striking just from making your arm so tired. There's videos of Juan and he does, there's one where he's doing all these like uh, things where he's like hitting rocks and, you know, doing all those palm rubbing exercises. and. Mm-hmm. He's do he he does those things where you tap on yourself with like a balled up thing of twigs, you know, it's just like all that iron shirt yeah, stuff. Yeah. yeah, so there's like a, you know there's a whole uh, external training to it, which you know I think that that's useful if you're gonna yeah. have a have a system that that tries to encompass everything is challenging. So. Yeah, check this out. Here, the thing says they use Pai Da Gong techniques, which involves striking and being struck with various pieces of equipment, posts, yeah. sandbags, iron balls. And here it says uh, an item of ex- equipment apparently unique to Zeron Men is the striking cart, a wooden cart filled with stones, which is moved by shoves and strikes. Oof. <laughs> oh. <laughs> That's sweet. So one more th- thing we wanted to look at about Master Wan Lai Shen was his he published a number of books that talked about his various philosophies of training. Um, and one here that's translated into English, his book on meditation. We thought there were quite a few really interesting quotes in here, but we just have time to take a look at this one here. Um, observe your elixir field, even when you are not sitting and elixir field referring to what we call Dantian in the lower belly. Um, here it says, do not forget this principle when walking, standing, sitting, or lying down, your mind remains focused on your elixir field. The spot an inch or so below your navel is called the elixir field. The meaning being that this is where elixir is produced. Do so even when you sleep, during which you can bend your arms and legs and lay on your side, which is better for settling your mind. There is a Taoist saying, it is not important whether or not you have found the way. What is important is that you have learned to sleep like a dog. <laughs> hmm. So... Uh, um, that was, that's interesting. So that, that's that comfortableness, I think, that we're always seeking to find where you keep your lower Dantian in, in your focus, even when you're standing, sitting, moving, and as far as even lying down. I like the piece about that it, it continues, right? It's not just something you do and then you stop. That There's this awareness 24-7 of, of that, you know, that field. That I mean, it speaks to the focus on the lower Dantian that a lot of internal martial arts have. Sounds like it's also a part of his meditation um, and Zeron Men as well, most likely. Well, his I mean, his the the stuff he describes in his Taoist meditation is 
pretty similar to the stuff that uh, Bruce teaches from Leo and Jay. So, I mean, you know, there's there's uh, a lot of similarities in, in the, what they do. I mean, I think, you know, the, the form might be different, but it's definitely, you can tell the philosophy is the same, right? You have to tap into this uh, natural flow and, and, you know, the Tao or and mm. use that in order to do your meditation or your martial arts, not, mm -hmm. try, not try to force it through, you know, intent or will or strength. I like that idea that naturalness is going to be your strength rather than, you know, forcing it to happen. You're going to follow this natural pattern and outthink the opponent that way. I mean, that's the, the, the whole tenant of the, you know, the 70% rule, right? Or, or it's that idea of like, it's through relaxation, through letting go that you can achieve power, right? Not, not the power is already there. You have to, you just have to let it out. You don't have to force anything to happen. Here's a piece from Esoteric Warriors about the, uh, about the history of the art that Wan Lai Shen learned. Um, it says here, Zhuron Men is a very difficult system to find. Up until Wan Lai Sheng, it was passed down from one master to one disciple at a time. We know that a Taoist named Little Shu taught it to Du Xingwu after an encounter in which the extremely tall and skilled Du was toppled by the dwarf Shu. Du Xingwu, who was famous for his light-bodied qigong and point-hitting, among other things, taught only Wan Lai Sheng. So that's you know, this, this famous fighter, Du Xingwu, had been toppled by a dwarf martial arts master. And so that's how Zeron Men came to be. All of Zeron Men is based on Taoist meditation. For the fighting ideas, you have key concepts. You will look at an opponent's body sectors or gates. And by the gates, you can have two or three ways to enter. Each, each time you can do it in one motion, like defending and attacking simultaneously. Then you can go to two, three, or four, up to eight motions. You build up these quick combinations of hitting and kicking. Then you apply it with a partner to make it real. So that's a little bit about the training method of Zeron Men. Yeah, it kind of speaks to that combination or, you know, the, the uh, thing about stepping in. It very sounds a lot like Shingy, where it's all mm -hmm. one motion, right? But then, mm -hmm. when, but then once you get... Fight. But then once you get there, you've got eight directions, which sounds a lot like Bagua. So you know, mm -hmm. it's, it's a little bit of both there. It's kind of yeah. cool. It sounds like this guy was deeply wound in the this current of internal martial arts that was boiling in Beijing in China in the 1910s, 20s, 30s. Yeah, and I, I mean, I think that I think that's one thing that sometimes gets lost nowadays because everybody wants to have their style be the best. But like back then, I think it was like these guys were just like they were junkies for martial arts right so if you found someone who had it like even if they had just one technique that was good you know you might go hang out with the guy for a little while and you know just to get that one technique and then you move on and you know i remember bruce saying one time that he quote collected techniques like people collected teapots right that <laughs> Martial art techniques were his his fetish, you know, and that that's what he would try to find was a technique he'd never seen before or had, you know, even if it wasn't the greatest technique out there, just if it was different or uh, used some, you know, interesting sort of body movement that he hadn't seen before, right? So I think guys like Leo and Wong, I mean, they were, you know, practice martial arts of 
any kind for 70 years and tell me it doesn't do something to you, right? I mean, so it's like that, that these guys were just, you know, geniuses in, when it came to martial arts. Yeah, their, their standard of training was pretty high. So, you know, it's, that's why it's so fun to look back on these histories and look back at these teachers and the little threads that connect all the different schools that exist today. It's really a small world in the long run. For sure. So we're continuing in the section Appendix B, searching for a qualified teacher. Do you have anything you want to throw in on that? The first thing people look for is what's closest to me, right? Like what's easiest. Then they look for, do I like this person? Do I actually, you know, can I spend an hour in the same room with this guy and actually like, you know, not does he doesn't make my skin crawl kind of thing. Um, and then the final thing is after they've been there a while, they, they decide, okay, is this guy actually any good? Cause you don't, when you're a beginner, you don't know anything. So it's hard to judge your teacher. Once you get been practicing for a while, it's a little easier to judge. Then it becomes about what does it actually do for you? And, and are, do you feel better when you practice it? And how much better do you feel when you're doing that one versus some other version, right? Like, so if you've never, if you've only ever done one system, it's hard to judge whether or not that system is good or bad, but that's separate from the individual. The individual is like, are they, you know, are they an honest person? Are they presenting the information in an honest way? And I think the best thing is that if you ask them a question, and they don't know the answer that they say, I don't know, rather than try to give you some bullshit answer. Um, as a teacher, as a teacher, you want to have authority, you know, but you got to be honest about these things. You know, anyone that says they know everything, you have to be suspicious of them right away. And then it's a question of, you know, uh, if they say they know one thing well, that's usually a good sign that they're on the right track right like if, if somebody says okay i've done this one thing for a long time and this is what i teach you have a good sense of what they're doing right if they say okay well i did this for five weeks and then i did this for five weeks and then i studied with this guy for a year and then i went over here for five years and then i did this one you have no idea what they're presenting to you is of any kind of uh consistency right it could just be what they've uh, put together after years of practice so that's another you know uh indicator the sure you know and i guess like you're saying big promises kind of are what turn turn me off if you're gonna this is gonna fix everything you're never gonna age all your organs are gonna work perfectly you're gonna you know like you've got to be a little realistic and when we've taught we always tend to be like don't look at this to be like the magic bullet or whatever. It's good to have high expectations for, you know, working on your health, but no, you know, yeah. need to, you can't just put it all into one thing basically. Is yeah. There's no, there's no magic pill. Like, unfortunately there is no single thing yet developed by mankind that will cure all diseases, fix all problems. Right. All this does is give you a, uh, outlet for, some of them right so so looking at the next section here appendix c the importance of correct qigong practice this is also a series of you know advices about how to practice that i think we've covered pretty thoroughly you know you don't want to 
force anything um, that you want to practice safely and carefully and not not overstress your nervous system. Um, he men- makes the point about yo- yogic practices work too well. And I, that's an interesting one where it's he's not trying to put down the other system. He's saying you could potentially overcharge yourself if you don't have a teacher there to help you make it work. Um, so as a so as a solo practice, pranayama might be too mo- too powerful, might be too effective. You know. Yeah, I think that's the um, the the biggest critique I've heard Bruce give of other system other is it's not that they don't work. It's that they work so well that if you don't have someone there monitoring what's happening, something can go wrong, right? And so the the danger in a lot of practices isn't, isn't that they don't get energy moving or they don't activate the chi or they don't do X, Y, or Z, or even that they aren't good martial arts, right? Like, I mean, some martial arts are amazing, but they make you psychotic, right? Like some Qigong systems are out of this world you know fantastically complicated of all this chi movement but if you practice it you get sick you know you won't feel good and it's like you know so so it may not just fit your system so you have to kind of find one that works for you i mean i have a friend who uh he just he said you know every he could never do yang style tai chi because every time he did it, he just he didn't like it it didn't make him feel good other styles of Tai Chi or other forms of Qigong were just fine. And, you know, so I, I think on some level, it's like you got to trust your body and just don't do anything that feels bad. You know, if it, if it feels wrong, even if your teacher's telling you to do it, yeah, you don't have to do it. You're paying them. You know, remember that. Like, that's the thing I would always go back to is like, you know, I'm paying this person to learn something. If they're telling me to do something that I don't think is, safe like i don't have to do it i can make the choice to sit back and you know or i can do half of it or i can you know approach it slowly like at my own pace and any teacher that's that makes you do something and i mean makes you do i don't mean suggests that you do it i mean forces you to do something that you aren't comfortable with like ah nope dumb that guy's gone uh I'm just so glancing through this chapter to see if there were any other little bits and pieces that are interesting. Um, you know, there's one really telling paragraph here that I thought was interesting. Taoist stressed the spiritual framework of Qigong. He says that uh, he said that many of the teachers that he met wouldn't teach him the real stuff, or they would teach him incorrectly. But the Taoists were beyond cultural and personal differences. They found it admirable that a Westerner would take the time and trouble to learn their language and be to be able to study something that they considered very important. The Taoists are generally highly developed spiritually and considered the development of spiritual life to transcend time, space, and culture. Um, so he credits Taoist teachers for a lot of the Qigong in this book. And I think it's fair to say there's different types. There's Buddhists, there's you know scholarly, there's medical, and so on. But he specifically, martial Qigong, he specifically says that Taoist Qigong was the one that that le- that he, as a foreigner, they were actually cool to him. You know, that's pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, look, one of the main reasons I um, feel blessed to have met Bruce is that I didn't have to go and learn another language and travel to another country and, you know, deal with all the things that come with doing that to learn this stuff. I had to, you know, drive 30 minutes to cross a bridge, right? It was pretty easy to get to. Uh, 
so you know i i think that anyone that would go through that to learn this stuff i think you know that, that to me is uh admirable for sure but um i think his experience was definitely that uh people like leo and the Taoists that he met were much more accepting of him wanting to learn than some of the other people. But I don't know if that was necessarily about Taoist or if it was about just the time, you know, that the, yeah. the people were still very guarded about foreigners. So just to round out that chapter, um, there's a lot of, of looking at, you know, comparing Qigong system. He, you know, and just things to look out for too much chi can be painful watch out for sexual qigong it's it's a little too easy to for, cause things to be you know forced in a bad way packing chi where you're breathing super hard um those yeah, ones he, all sound know. a little tough as well as vibrating he brings up right. something and these, are all, these are all things that um if you start doing vibrating stuff if you do it lightly it's fine it's it doesn't but if you start really amping it up, there's a point where you realize, okay, okay, I'm, I'm starting to push it, right? And that's where you have to say, okay, I'm not going to go past this point. I'm just going to do a little bit of this. And I think that's the danger of some of these practices. It isn't the practice that's dangerous. It's that people don't have the discipline to stop themselves when they get to the to their seventy percent. Right, and he, you know, one of his famous stories he'll sometimes tell here is in a particularly raucous martial arts incident in Japan, I found I was breaking bones left and right and was almost unable to stop myself. At this point, I realized this practice was making me crazy, removing compassion from my makeup, and I stopped. When I later returned to Taiwan a few years later, I found I had been practicing a form of Fujian white crane, and, and that had sort of, that over-vibration had led to this uh, <laughs> feeling crazy from it. Yeah, no, I mean, that, that's something I've, let's see, I know two people that I personally have met. Well, actually, no, I know four people that I've met who, through doing martial arts or Qigong, have either gone to the point of, like, no return uh, or, meaning they ended their life, or they've gotten very close because they destabilized their conscious mind, right? So um, one guy showed up at my house. I hadn't seen him for months. And he's like, uh, hey, can you do this thing for me? And I'm like, man, I don't think I'm going to do that thing for you. And it turns out he'd been doing all this weird fasting and uh you know, meditating with the full moon and just really juicing himself up and getting way too much acupuncture and all of this other stuff. And uh, Bruce and a couple other people had to go and like basically put the guy back together. And from what I could tell, he was never quite the same after that. Um, so, you know, it, I, you know, another guy did a bunch of full moon meditation and his was less severe. He just kind of, turned into an asshole for a couple months. Uh, another guy did some really hardcore um, fighting martial art stuff and kind of went off the deep end. 
so you know there are these cautionary tales i think that's why bruce is as hardcore about the safety stuff as he is because he's seeing the worst of it right he's seeing people just lose it and uh he came i think he came pretty close sounds like he came pretty close himself so i i think it's important to but i also think that's rare i i mean what i will say is i think you have to be pretty good at it to hurt yourself so it's it's a it's again i don't think that any of these practices are inherently dangerous i think it's it's what you do with them right it's like a gun you know i mean to, to take an extreme example a gun by itself is not dangerous a gun in the hands of an unstable person is quite dangerous and so it has to do with you know the, the person wielding it not necessarily the technology right so um you know, I, th I think that's where it, it, again, you know, just comes back to have a good teacher, have someone guiding you. Don't go too far off on your own. And if things start to get weird, stop what you're doing and then find someone who knows about how to fix people who, doing, who have these sorts of problems. I remember Bruce talking about a couple people who had uh, done weird chi practices and showed up and, you know, had he had to help them kind of fix their uh themselves from it and i met one of the guys and i wouldn't say he was particularly stable i would say he was affected by what he'd been through you know and it's sort of like do you want to go through that just because uh you might get a little bit more power in your martial arts or x y yeah i mean just you know i guess to me it kind of boils down to being realistic it's like don't don't think that you're going to try to make miracles happen and hand yourself over to someone else's telling you what sh what she what you should do you know or what's good for you well how does it feel to you are you are you a better person are you feeling better are you stronger springier something what's coming out of it you know because if you've got if you're feeling results that feel good to you, you're probably on the right track. Now, if they're making you feel hot and sweaty or something or see and hear weird stuff, yeah, no, that's that's not what you want to go towards. And, you know, that's – I think he's got some good advice in the book of just stick to your – stick to what you feel is right and don't try to take any shortcuts or look for miracles or push yourself super hard. Just slow but steady and you'll you'll get a lot of benefit from it. Like I said, I think it's like anything. It's like choosing a teacher in music or whatever the sports. You know, you just have to find someone who you feel that can they can guide you, and that they don't have some other motive behind it. Yeah. Um, you know, beware beware the teacher who drives a Mercedes. Right? Like, <laughs> if your martial arts teacher is doing really well and he's only got four students, you might want to consider like, what's going on here? But, um, but yeah, I think on the whole, most people that teach this stuff are, are genuinely good people and you don't really need to worry too much about that. The bigger thing is what you're saying, which is, does it make you feel better? Do you enjoy it when you're doing it? And, um, you know, do you like the people you're doing it with? I mean, yeah. I definitely would not have stuck around Bruce's school if there weren't some of the people that were there because you know if it had been a confrontational group of people it, i just wouldn't have put up with it that's not right my, that's not my nature right but people were really welcoming 
even as you know they're slapping you in the face it's like you know you're getting knocked down to the ground and like they're welcoming you back up with a hug and you're like all right this is cool i can dig this you know like uh yeah i'm not like super competitive either you know i'm looking for a supportive learning environment but yeah. you know some other people need a need a comp- competition based belt rankings you know i mean it's just it's what you want to do you're just try a few things out go around and find well, something that really suits you if you've never done you know but it's unlikely that anybody listening to this has never done at, at 35 episodes in has never done qigong but if you've never done qigong uh, don't just go to the closest guy to you try a couple people and and do the one that you actually feel like you get something from it's a person and then over the over time you know you might want something more that that person doesn't have and you can find someone else that does but you know it's a journey journey exactly well said hey one other thing i was going to bring up is that uh we've our next podcast will be the last episode of this first season that we've been on and it's been quite a journey. It's been, you know, wow. I just was reflecting back on all the different conversations we've had, all the different teachers we profiled. And I've learned a lot, like looking up different biographies and and the yeah. different book translations that we've been digging into. That's been a lot of fun. It's been a hell of a year. That's <laughs> uh, I mean, here we are at the end of 2020. We're actually recording this on January 1st, 2021. Um, yeah. But I, you know, we do have plans to do another season. Uh, it sounds like we're gonna do profiles of a lot of Leo Hung Jay's teachers and other people. Uh, so that should be a Look lot of fun. For that. Yeah. But meanwhile, you know, opening the energy gates of your body. It's just looking back at how influential this book was on me when I first got it. I really took it to heart and put a lot of training into it, and was repaid and found it that this set's one of the best that I've ever practiced and damn it's the book itself is a really good book too. And I'm glad we did this and really went page by page through this thing and explored a lot of, a lot of these ideas we've been training for years and talking about for years. So it was good to get it all down in one place. Yeah. It's nice to get it on, uh, on record as they say. And I do think, I mean, uh, if again, it's probably fairly obvious, but both of us feel that this set is very, uh, useful and i mean for me it's the foundation of everything i do everything i teach so um you know that is what it is yeah no it's been good to go through it one little piece at a time and i'm glad people have gotten to hear your advice especially on the practice advice well i'm glad you talked me into doing it (laughs) (laughs) yeah well cheers bro all right all right take care next time yep Hey folks, Isaac again. Uh, just uh, say thanks for listening. I uh, hope you've been enjoying this season. Uh, we've been having a great time doing it. We're looking forward to season two. So you know, check out the Patreon during the break. Check out the Instagram. Uh, leave a review on iTunes. Like and subscribe. Uh, tell a friend and take care of yourself. All right. Thanks again for listening.